Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Damien. And I'm Aaron. Thank you for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table. We'll discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. And Aaron, Mm -hmm. you're up this week. Uh, First of all, tell the folks how you're feeling. And second, (laughs) what have you brought to the table today? Uh, Well, I brought both a um, cold, head cold, congestion, something. Yeah, yeah, uh, but also Freedom Dreams uh, by Robin D.G. Kelly. Um, It's this amazing exploration of the radical visions of the world beyond the one that we have. Yes. Um, and these are dreams from um, the black radical tradition in so many ways. Um, they move from sort of nationalistic to communist, to socialist, communist and socialist, um, feminist, surrealist. Um, and so many of those things intersect with each other yes. along the way. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think... Um, it's such a good book. Uh, and let me also say that this, this is about 300 pages long. Yes. And it's chock full of a variety of histories of movements. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we uh, absolutely will not get to everything in this conversation that will take about 30 minutes. Um, I think the audio book was 11 hours. Wow. So we, I didn't know that. Um, oh, don't quote me on that. I checked it out for a minute from the library. Okay. But I only listened to it for a little bit because okay. I was mostly reading it. But that... Probably so, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a lot of lot of content in this book. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So um, we won't get to everything in this conversation. So our apologies if we leave out your favorite thing. Um, but to mention a few things here uh, in sort of a summary, um, the nationalist dreams were about sort of black citizenship and autonomy and, and rethinking uh, in some aspects like what uh, a black nation could look like within yeah. the U.S. Yeah. Right. Um, which then connected to a later conversation about reparations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, that it also looked about uh, at things internationally. wanted to add that too. It wasn't yes. just about the US, but how is that how is that black citizenship here connected internationally? Um, the communist and socialist dreams explore the history of groups who imagine a world beyond capitalism uh, because they understood white supremacy, anti-blackness to be, um, inextricably intertwined yes Uh, and so you can't get rid of one without getting rid of the other yeah the feminist dreams flipped the patriarchal order on its head uh, and envisioned a different kind of leadership a different view of leadership in black movement spaces Uh, and the surrealist dreams pointed out the fundamentally anti-colonial threat to surrealist movement and brought together some seemingly disparate forms of art into the same kind of movement to show how they're connected through their decolonial stance. Ah, um, yes. There is, there's so much here, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, like I think we could do, I don't know, a whole series, like a year-long mm-hmm. version of this show Absolutely. on this book. Um, but uh, since we're not going to do that today, <laughs> today, uh, where do you want to start? Yeah, put a pin in that. Yeah, Maybe we'll come back to that idea. You're right. There's just so much content in this book, and 
it was incredible. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. If you have not read this book, this was my first time reading it. Uh, so, you know, no, no shade there. But if you haven't read it yet, please do. It was outstanding. I'm so glad that we finally got around to reading this um, and had the opportunity to engage with it, uh, with this being the 20th anniversary of its release, right? Yeah. Well, and it's it's kind of <clears throat> fortuitous that we waited to read it because I wanted to read it before the 20th anniversary came out. And, ah. and then it just happened that we decided to read it after that. Edition. So Perfect. there's a little bit of new stuff. There's, um, you know, it's a little bit different. There's a little more updates. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, it worked out the way it was supposed to work out. Um, and um, like I said, I'm really glad we read it. Um, I, I I think I can't really express <laughs> strongly enough just how thorough and far reaching and profound this book was. Um, and you sort of, you know, alluded to this with your summary, right? Just uh, this book was in terms of Dr. Kelly's ability to to compile and analyze and, and make sense of, you know, all of these radical ideas of, of the past, but also of the present and of the future, really, right? To, yeah. And to use them to dream about the world we all deserve to live in, as you, as you so eloquently put it, right? And mm. so I think there, for me, there was so much in this book that I learned about for the very first time uh, yeah. in terms Absolutely. of, our history in this country and uh, as you mentioned the history throughout the world um, movements grassroots movement efforts culture art music I mean the, the we could go on and on about all of it as you said right and um, so for me it was awesome to learn so much for the first time and it makes me want to go back and sort of sit with some of that and mm -hmm. do some additional reading and additional learning um, about and you know just sort of take in all the things that he weaved into this book to help us consider the radical ideas and movements that have existed in the world and you know think about how we can critically examine them and how we can use them in our in our everyday work and our everyday um, interactions with each other in the in the activism work that we're doing um, in the learning that we're doing I think there's so much value in that right yeah uh, so I I'm truly grateful that you brought this book, but I'm uh, eternally grateful that Dr. Kelly uh, wrote it and gave it to us. Yeah, definitely. I think there's, um, there, yeah, there's so much in here that um, both presented brand new things, but also gave me new, um, I guess, nuggets of information yeah. about things that I already knew yes. um, about, uh, but presented an additional like facet or something else to it. Absolutely. Um, that I didn't know existed. Um Right. So, yeah, just really outstanding. Agreed. Um, so one of the moments in the book that I want to talk about is from the section on surrealism, ah. um, which I think I think that one probably resonated with me maybe the most. I don't know. Really? I read that one most recently, so that might okay. be recency okay. bias also speaking. Okay. Um, but there was also a lot about the surrealism chapter that, that I really liked, but that's also true for most of it. So, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah you know. It's hard to pick a favorite. Absolutely. Um, but tell me why this one resonated so much. I'm so curious. There's so much about decolonization um, mm -hmm. that runs through surrealism. Uh, and so one of the th reasons why I think I really appreciated it is that he broke down and talked about surrealism beyond how I understood it before reading this book mm, gotcha. um, as a, a visual art movement. Yes. Uh, which it absolutely is in, and was, um, but it also that art was grounded in other things that were happening in poetry, in literature, um, in philosophy, and in um, 
movement work for sure in um, the way that people imagined sort of freedom imagined liberation um and so the particular thing i wanted to to pull in is um dr kelly here is writing about um uh amy Cesaire's mm -hmm. critique of colonialism and its connection to fas fascism um this is where the cold is kicking in yes um <laughs> so quote so the real crime of fascism was the application of colonial procedures to white people, which until then, uh, he now is quoting from Césaire, uh, which until then had been reserved for the Arabs of Algeria, people in India, and the blacks of Africa. Um, and um, there's, a, there's a direct quote and a different word here that he uses um, that's quoted from Césaire, which I looked up and is now considered not quite a slur, but like close to it. And ah. I was like, I'm going to skip over that word. Yep. Um, so that's why I stumbled there a little bit too. But I think that's so important for us to consider is the concept there. Um, and, you know, it makes me think when we watched Exterminate All the Brutes mm. um, and the genocide of the Herero and Nama people and what is now Namibia yep. that Raul Peck explained in that film um, and how he tied that history from 1904 to 1908-ish um, to what happened in Germany 30 to 40 years later. That's right. Um, and how that's one example of how colonization how fascism copied what colonization had already established right. on uh, people of color around the world. Um, that's one example, but it's also bigger than that. I mean, France did it across Africa. Mm. You know, formerly English colonists did it to indigenous people here in what is now the U.S. Right. Um, and so when I think about this, I think about how important it is to understand this history um, because it influences how you move forward. Right. And if you don't have a full understanding of the impact of fascism and uh, by looking back to the violence of colonialism, then it's easy to ignore how the so-called third world are essentially places that have been robbed of their people and their resources yes. and had their cultures destroyed. Um, and they also survived those things. Mm. So there's... And they survived. Right, there's... Yeah. There's dreams, there's freedom even within that as well um, that people dreamed and lived and implemented right. um, to make it through uh, that violence right. um, and those processes of violence. And so um, uh, it just, that, that point, that moment really stuck out to me and uh, reminded me of sort of what we had talked about with Exterminate All the Brutes, but yeah. also I think expanded my... Um, understanding a concept of what, um, how fascism really just copied colonialism. Yeah, that's that's fascinating, man. I hadn't really thought about um, or made the connection to our friend Ralph Peck and exterminate all the brutes. But you're right. There's a there's a stark connection there. Um, and I, you know, I appreciate the point around you know what folks surviving that yeah. in these places, right? And sort of despite or. I guess maybe really in spite, uh, all, all yeah. the spites mm -hmm. of this sort of terror, right? And, yeah. and genocide and murder and, and, uh, and, and, and the like um, in these places. Uh, so yeah, there's, there was a lot in that chapter and I felt 
the same way, right? When I initially, and I think in the table of contents saw that were somewhere, or at least early on saw surrealism. I was like, where are we going with this? Yeah. Like, what is uh-huh. this going to be about, right? Um, and it was about so much more than I had initially brought in my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so there's there's so much to learn from what um, folks throughout the world, what, you know, um, uh, yeah, what people throughout the world have experienced. Yeah. Um, that can apply to our work here. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, wa- I wanted to add that piece about that they survived because I think so frequently um, in the U.S. we think about um, Native Indigenous people as no longer being here. Yeah. Um, and they like there's still people here. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so um, there's like uh, there's this connection with with death. Yeah. Um, and it that connection with death also reminds me of when we read the piece in the Atlantic from um, Clint Smith oh, um, yeah. about sort of how the Holocaust is remembered, and there was an author who talked about that they only get asked to write about dead Jewish people, right? And sort of the connection there too, and that that thread through colonization to to, to um, fascism. Uh, so all of it felt connected, and I wanted yeah. to add that people survive. Absolutely, people, right. So people are still here. Yes. Their cultures aren't destroyed, even if that was what was attempted to have happen. Absolutely. And the other piece of this idea of people surviving, I think that's so important to recognize, is that like indigenous folks or black folks in this country, right? Uh, we survived these atrocities and are living still with the that history on our backs, right? Yeah, and that, that history trauma. in our yep. that trauma, that history in our hearts, in our minds, our families, right? The things that you know my parents experienced, my grandparents, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have all of that in us, right? And so you're you survive it, and folks are still here, um, but that's a part of our present day reality so there's so much to weave into that notion of of survival so i'm i'm glad you brought that up um so i love that i i want to take i think that chapter was what the last one right so i want to take us back to the the very beginning something from early on in this book that i was really struck by uh, that i wanted to talk about was dr kelly's questions that he was pondering while writing this book mm-hmm. around what today's activists and organizers were dreaming about and fighting for yeah i love that part yeah too. right mm-hmm. like I, and i i i really appreciated the fact that he talked about how his purpose for writing this book was to remind us and and those activists and organizers about the ongoing conversations that folks have been having about the kind of world that you know, we want to struggle for, right? Mm-hmm. And I think he does a great job to shine a light on so many incredible examples of radical ideas and work that were successful. Um, and there's uh, no way to name them all <laughs> in this nope. episode. Uh, otherwise, we'd be here for that 11 hours like that you mentioned. But mm-hmm. uh, if there is one to highlight, if there's a place where folks could do a tremendous amount of learning, I think it would be from the work of black radical feminists mm-hmm. and radical feminists of color. Um, and, you know, and we've had the privilege of talking about some of their work here on this podcast, right? Yep. Uh, Angela Davis, Barbara Smith, Bell Hooks, Pauli Murray, the, the, the Combahee River Collective, um, you know, all of those folks we've talked about in some way, shape or form uh, on the podcast. And they're all featured in this book uh, yep. and, and so many more. Right. Um, but Dr. Kelly highlighted in this book how those feminists taught us so much about how 
Um, and I'm going to quote from a few different places here. So he says, there is nothing natural or inevitable about gender roles, male dominance, the overrepresentation of men in positions of power, or the tendency of men to use violence as a means to resolve conflict, mm-hmm. and how the work of these movements taken as a whole interrogates what is quote unquote normal, shows us how the state and official culture polices our behavior with regard to sexuality, gender roles, and social relationships, and encourages us to construct a politics rooted in desire. Yeah. And I, like, I, <laughs> there was, I think I over-highlighted in this book. <laughs> that's possibly, I know that's what, what you're not supposed to do, but, like, all of that was so good, right? And so, yeah. there, to me, there is so much to learn from the work of radical feminists and organizers of color um, yeah. that is just so profound, and I appreciate um, the thoroughness in which Dr. Kelly presented that to us. Yeah, I highlighted a lot uh, through <laughs> that section and throughout the book. Um, and I think so many of the things in that section, um, I was like, wow, like look at these things that like we've on the podcast, we've yeah. read, uh, uh, like we've read the Comedy River Collective Statement. Right. Um, and talked about it. We, we've, we've, so, um, it had I was me, like it had me giddy. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> this is this is so great, and it's so great to revisit it. Yes, um, in the context of having spent some time already thinking about it, when so many of the things before it focused on things I hadn't spent a lot yes. of time with, um, and then also the surrealist or before it, this yeah. yes before yep. it, and then the surrealist chapter two was like complete a lot of new stuff. Yes, um, with some familiar familiar people as well, but. Um, anyway, another part of the book I want to highlight is about the blues. Oh, yes. Um, and specifically, Dr. <laughs> Kelly is referencing some work done by Dr. Angela Davis. Yes. Um, and he says that her work, quote, demonstrates how black women blues singers created a politics of sexual freedom and power, mm. a politics of protest veiled beneath songs of love and loss, as well as a politics of class critical of alienated wage, labor, and poverty. Black blues women sang sad and lonely songs, but they also imagined a world free of low-wage, back-breaking labor and full of pleasurable leisure. Mm. And I loved that section and highlighted it and um, thought of it when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about um, today because it confirms what I have always sort of felt about the blues yes. but never really heard or read anybody talk about it in that way yes that there's so much depth in what the blues is um and there's so many ways that the blues has influenced what music has looked like across the last hundred years absolutely um and so I just appreciated that little brief moment um, yeah. about the blues because um, I it's not much longer than this You're section right. um, that I just talked about. So, um, yeah, I, I, that part stuck out to me. I was like, oh, I want to talk about that. I'm so glad you did. You know, um, <laughs> it's just so powerful um, to think about the, the music meaning so much more than, like, what's on the surface yeah. and recognizing how it means more. Um, than that absolutely yeah. it's it's um you know i i gave this shout out to dr kelly earlier for the gift of this book and i i feel like i also have to give um some love to 
Dr. Angela Davis for mm-hmm. so many things, but uh, her ability to articulate <laughs> so beautifully <laughs> the the ways in which blues music is just so soul <laughs> affirming, soul enriching, moving, powerful. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was great. Um, yeah. And you talk about this idea that blues music and the and the these um, black women blues singers, the the ways in which music was forever changed because of them, right? Mm-hmm. And influence and some of the folks that we listen to to this day, right? Attribute some of their um, influences to this this music. But yeah. I, I love this quote. I'm so glad mm-hmm. you pulled it. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the the blues, like. R&B doesn't exist without the blues. Absolutely. Right? Like hip hop doesn't exist without yeah. soul music which doesn't yes. exist without the blues. Uh-huh. Um so there's just so and country even cut I mean yes, country I think is originally an offshoot of the blues. Mm-hmm. Rock music is a blend of the blues and yes. um and and country elements and then you take it to to modern versions there's even blues happening in. Right. Yeah. But I love this idea that the music when you maybe are young and are first listening to it can sad it can sound as she said like mm. sound like sad lonely songs but when you really listen to the lyrics and you let them sort of envelop you right like yep. this idea of um, radical imagination right and and singing from your heart and your experience I mean that is ever present yep. <laughs> and a hallmark of what that music is mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. beautiful yeah. so ah oh, man <laughs> now I'm gonna go. You got some blues records here. Let's spin them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, oh my gosh, we got to keep going. I, <laughs> I talked earlier about how there's so much in this book that I learned for the first time. Um, so I wanted to bring up one of those things as just an example. Um, uh, and there's so many more. But uh, one of the things I learned about in depth was the Revolutionary Action Movement. Yeah. Or RAM, R-A-M. Um, Ram was a black nationalist group in the 60s, uh, that 1960s, I should say. We're spanning a lot of history here, so I should mm-hmm. say 1960s, yep. that really informed and influenced the black power movement in this country. Um, and I was really unaware of much of the work that they did and and, yep. and certainly how they invested in learning about global capitalism and imperialism and and liberation movements in other countries, right, to help inform their work and and their fight for the solutions that they thought were necessary. And in particular, I think above and beyond what the civil rights movement was doing at the time. Right. Um, and so all of that was really eye opening for me. Um, and I'm surprised, I was a bit surprised that I didn't know about them in the ways that, um, this book dives into them. Um, and you know, I especially appreciate it. They're thinking around the notion that black liberation in this country and the ways to get us there uh, were inextricably linked to the liberation of people all around the world, right? Yeah. Like that's just some powerful thinking and and the kind of radical ideas that I think really encapsulate what Freedom Dreams um, as, a, as an idea and Freedom Dreams, this book, <laughs> is all about, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. I, um, yeah, I really appreciated learning about them and some of the other groups that were sort of doing work alongside them yes as contemporaries um so yeah um really great stuff um all right well <coughs> excuse me let's shift and talk about application let's not let's keep going no i'm kidding <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> um 
How so? How does Freedom Dreams uh, apply to our everyday lives? Uh, my application for this week, I think, is a theme, or is a theme that I think I picked up on in the book. Okay, put it that way. Um, and uh, this is how I'm going to say it: You can't do the work without dreaming, and you can't dream without doing the work. Um, and there are examples throughout the book of groups and people who were dreaming, but not necessarily organizing, um, or whose intellectual work. Um, was disconnected from the work that was happening in the streets yes. um, and vice versa. Yes. Um, one exact example actually is uh, from the Revolutionary Action Network or RAM, movement um, or RAM. Uh, and Dr. Kelly said that they, quote, devoted little time and energy to the most fundamental question of all, what kind of world they wanted to build if they did win. Mm. And so it makes me think of the ways that – dreams have to be connected to action and action have to be connected to dreams. Uh, one of my favorite things to think about is um, praxis, yes. right? Which is that theory informs your action and then you reflect on your action, which informs your theory. Yes. And it's a cyclical process and it's, it's ongoing. And so I think about it in that kind of way that you can't, you can't dream about what the world looks like yep. um, without doing some, some action and you can't, do the action without dreaming about what's on the other side of when you win. Um, Cause we have to work toward the world we want to build. Um, and if we don't have that vision in mind, then when the revolution is over, we fall into the same habits that yep. have existed throughout history. Um, and we, that's, that was the point of the revolution in the first place is to avoid those and uh, escape those um, systems, those, those processes um, that oppression. Yeah. I'm just, that was my application for the week. I, I'm just looking at you. You're, you're good. You're real good. I like that. You can't do the work without dreaming. Right. And you can't dream without doing the work. Yep. I love that. Very good. Um, wow. Yeah. I'm moved by that. I think, I think I had something similar in mind or maybe these things are connected. Um, as I was thinking about application, you know, this book, I think, offers just so much wisdom and insight and ways that we can learn and grow and, and create the world that we want to see. And um, uh, one of the thoughts I think I was so drawn to was Dr. Kelly's thoughts around what this world and what movements demand of us. Right. Um, he talked about and he believes that every movement demands uh, what he calls an evolution and transformation of the heart and the mind. Yeah. All right. And so I like, um, <laughs> I was going to say I like scribble highlighted here, but it was a Kindle. So I didn't do all that, but I was in my mind. That's what I was doing. An evolution of and transformation of the heart and mind. And so throughout the book, he provides so many examples of how organizers and activists and ordinary citizens, you know, have done this, right. How, how for us to get to the world that we want to see, we have to be creative in our thinking and our practice, yeah. right? We have to engage both the heart and the mind in this work. We have to center love and transformation in this process. Um, and, and I think we have, to, we have to dream and fight alongside folks who are struggling, right? And folks who are the targets of everything that is uh, wrong, if you will, about our society and actively be committed, committed to fighting to change it, right? I think... Dr. Kelly believes, and I do too, that that's how we get to freedom, right? Mm -hmm. 
And I think all of that is applicable to not only our entire society as a whole and the work we all do together, but to us as individuals too, right? Yeah. In our in our day-to-day work and our day-to-day interactions with each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think somewhat connected to what you talked about, but um, I, I, I really resonated with this idea of um, the heart and the mind that he talked about. And I think that's my application. Yeah, I love that. There's so much about how we have to be um, uh, congruent between what our vision is and what we're doing currently. And there's so many ways that we get um, sidetracked by that from like having to exist within, you know, the current systems. Yes. um, That, um, yeah, it seems hard to escape them. Um, Yeah. And I, one of the other things you talked about is the, um, you know, how much he believes uh, in transformation of the heart and mind. Yeah. Um, and he talks about Grace Lee Boggs ah, toward yes. the end of the, in the last um, chapter, um, as an example of somebody who was doing um, work uh, locally in Detroit um, to change what was going on there. Um and, you know, one of the things that she talks about, um, that Adrian Marie Brown, mm. who's one of her students, I guess, um, uh, has quoted is, you transform yourself to transform the world. Ah, yes. Um, <laughs> which is such a, such, I think, an important thing to keep in mind, too, um, as we're doing this work is like what we do in all of our interactions, in our relationships you know, um, matters. It's not just yes. what we're doing out, um, in the street or in public in front of a megaphone or whatever. Like it's also the little day-to-day things that also change our relationship to each other yes. and revolutionize things right within our local locus of control. Yes. Oh yeah. man. That's a good application. Whew. All right. So awesome. Um, Let's talk about homework, um, how we continue to learn about um, freedom dreams after we're done with our conversation today. Uh, There are so many things referenced throughout this book (laughs) that we've alluded to, uh, but it gave me some renewed energy around reading some uh, Franz Fanon, uh, Mm. since he's referenced a few times throughout the book, some Richard Wright, Ah. uh, Huey Newton um, is cited uh, as writing a book in the, in the, in the, um, bibliography the resources uh stokely carmichael wrote a book that's mm-hmm. cited in the resources angela davis writing about the blues i want to yes. go revisit that book yes uh, sada shakur a whole lot more <laughs> just so many more there's pages and pages and pages and pages of resources um, that he cites throughout the book um, and honestly this felt like a whole semester of learning crammed <laughs> into about 300 pages um so there's uh you know there's just a ton of homework to come back to yeah. um, in this book. That's a good point. I wonder, I'm sure there are institutions of higher learning out there that are, I hope, that are dedicating full semesters to this book because there is so much to learn from it. Um, you also uh, got me because Richard Wright is uh, mm-hmm. one of my favorite authors. Uh, yeah. Native Son is a top five book for me. Um, and so I loved the reference to Richard Wright mm-hmm. in this book. And now I want to go back and read it. But mm-hmm. what were you going to say there? You was reacted to surrealism. Yes. Yes. Right? In so many ways. Yes. Which was another thing that was surprising to me is like he's not necessarily somebody in uh, Dr. Kelly mentions this in the book. He's not necessarily somebody who's connected to surrealism 
in those conversations about what surrealism exactly is. Um, but in so many ways was influenced by 100% uh, the things that are, were going on in surrealist uh, movement. 100%. So thanks for the Richard Wright reference yeah. there. I appreciate that. Um, my homework is really simple and, and maybe kind of boring, uh, but I think it connects to yours and it connects to this idea and this love that we have for this book. I want to go back and just reread this book. Um, mm. I, um, uh, I rushed through the reading of particularly the second half of this book. Um, there's just a, a lot of things going on in my life here lately, some transitions, new job, all of that kind of stuff. So, um, uh, But I wanted to do my best to be prepared for our conversation today. And I think I was. But uh, I, I want to spend some more time and really dig into that second half of the book. I want to definitely revisit the surrealism chapter now, mm -hmm. uh, especially hearing your thoughts about it. And um, I think there's just so much more that I can learn and pick up in this book. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to do that. And um, you and I are going to continue to have lots of conversations about this book. You're going to hold me accountable to that yeah. uh, because um, I can't wait to do it. And um, that's just what we do because that's our mm -hmm. friendship. So everybody be jealous about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, looking forward to that. I'll, I'll, I'll hold you accountable to it. Good. Um, <laughs> All right, well, you're up next time. So what do you bring to the table in our next episode, and what are the ways in which it won't live up to this book? Wow, <laughs> very good. Uh, well, first of all, hopefully in our next episode, you're feeling better. I yeah, hope we'll that see. for you. I'm bringing, yeah. I'm bringing my empathy. It's a connection to a joke earlier. It's an inside joke here, folks. Uh, it's not going to live up, uh, but it will um, in many ways. Next week, I'm going to bring an, an op-ed piece, actually, to the table. Mm -hmm. uh, very relevant op-ed piece. Um, it's called Ron DeSantis's Attack on Black Studies is Textbook Proto-Fascism. Mm -hmm. We talked about fascism earlier, right? Yeah. Uh, it was written by Dr. Barbara Ransby, mm -hmm. uh, who we've talked about Sounds here on the familiar. podcast, right? Uh, yeah. She is referenced a, in this book. Yes, she's a professor at the University of Illinois at Chicago and the director of their social justice initiative. Uh, and she's also a brilliant scholar and author and historian and longtime activist. Mm. Uh, so just an incredible human. Um, this op-ed that she wrote was published by Truthout, which uh, I think we've also read stuff from them before. Yep. Great nonprofit mm -hmm. news org um, doing some great reporting on social justice issues. Um, and so, uh, you know, I wanted to bring this piece to the table because um, uh, DeSantis, oh, I was going to say something really bad, but DeSantis and his racist and fascist actions have been in the news a lot lately, right? Yeah. Um, and so I it's wanted incessant. to, yeah. So I, I kind of want to just give us, I wanted to give us an opportunity to talk about all of that here on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And so um, I found this piece, that, again, he's in the news and all of his actions are in the news. So I'm sure we might bring some other articles and news stories as well. But um, I think this will give us an opportunity to just um, bring this topic of conversation to the table. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dr. Kendi, um, yes. Also posted some stuff recently. I he think did. He, he, I think he wrote a piece for the Atlantic. Yes. Um, that was tied to that um, Twitter yes, thread was. he posted. So um, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. And I said this a couple weeks ago as a joke, but also like it's it, at this point it wouldn't necessarily need to be a joke. Um, we could do a whole, like we could just dedicate our whole podcast to Ron DeSantis nonsense. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think it would be good for either of our 
uh, no. sort of overall well-being. No, but you know, it's it's possible um, because what he's doing in Florida is absurd. It's disgusting, um, not just to um, you know uh, black studies, African American studies, um, but also what he's doing to children, to trans kids, yes. um, to young girls um, who have to submit. Uh, information about their menstrual cycles to be able to participate in sports. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, we have to call it what it is, which is fascism. And, yes. Um, sort of live in the discomfort that that there's a somebody who's doing fascist stuff, right. um, who's serving as a governor of, um, you know, the state I was born in. Which, yeah. Um, it was just, yeah, it's a lot there. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're gonna talk about it. We are. We're gonna um, talk about it. We can. We will continue to talk about it. Um, so, with that, <laughs> uh, we want to thank you for joining us today, uh, and for joining us every day, every week, for listening to Interdependent Study. You know what I'm gonna ask you to do here, but in case you forgot, please follow, leave a rating, a review, share a podcast with the people in your life, uh, including Ron DeSantis if he's in your life. Wow. Um, follow us on social media. Sign up for our email list to get notified about any new things we got going on behind the scenes. Could you imagine if we get one more podcast listener in our stats and it was <laughs> freaking Ron DeSantis yeah. and this is the episode, episode 96, he joins and listens and it's all about you. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked about you before, buddy. We have. You can go back and listen mm-hmm. to some other ones too. I Buckle really up. Enc- <laughs> Buckle up. I encourage you to do so. Um But back to the important stuff, all of you listening. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. We'll talk to you next week. 